Gold, still boring. Copper, not so much. Cryptos look like they're back. New record highs. Everything is still awesome. Giuliani and the cloud will talk about it. The Justice Department not playing games. We'll talk Biden's speech. I'll talk a bit about his approach with China, which is a very similar approach to Mr. Trump's. Chicago sued Indiana. We've talked about where the guns come from in Chicago on this podcast several times for several years. Good to see that happen. All sorts of things going on. We'll talk about the Mormon sex therapist and the trouble she got herself into. I am Gerardo Del Real along with my co-host, the world famous Mr. Nick Hodge. This is episode 115 of Bizarro World. Nick, how are you, sir? Sounds a bit cleaner than... Last week, Gerardo, there was um, uh, a lot of talk of some uh, sex-based cryptos and other things last week. So uh, it sounds like we're going to keep it on the cleaner side this week. I'm doing wonderful. How are you? Well, you know, I wasn't going to bring it up. I am well, thank you. And I'm glad that you're wonderful. And I wasn't going to bring it up, but but you triggered me. And, you know, everybody's mad about something. Yeah, everybody's um, triggered. Everybody's triggered. I get triggered for happy things, though. And so you're, you're, you're bringing up the cummies actually triggered my new favorite uh, crypto. You know what my new favorite crypto is? What's that? The Uniswap with with uh, the unicorn emoji. Well, hey, you know, the Dogecoin <laughs> millionaire based it off the meme. So if you like the unicorn, have at it. Hey, listen, I'll take a unicorn over a Dogecoin any day of the week. Uh, unicorn's greater <laughs> than puppies. You just need a rainbow coin. <laughs> and listen, let's start with cryptos. Um, it seemed like or two ago... Everybody had a day or two where it dipped below 50. I'm talking Bitcoin now, obviously. And, you know, everybody was worried that we could see a, a further breakdown. We talked about it. You talked about it. You said, no, I think it's a buying opportunity. And sure enough, here we are a week later and Bitcoin's back to 57,000. Uh, Ethereum is at all time highs. And so it looks like you were spot on on that, Nick, as you were when Bitcoin hit 5,000 and you called the bottom here not too long ago. So good work on that front. Well, you know, a little bit of luck and, you know, um, thank you very much. And um, it's clearly gaining uh, traction. And again, I'm not talking about the uh, metaverse and the uni swaps, et cetera. I'm talking just about Bitcoin, which is primarily what I've always just talked about um, in this thing. And so you get these iterations and you get these waves of adoption, just like you do with anything else. And um, you know, now you're to the point where literally everybody is uh, knows what Bitcoin is, maybe even um, has opened an, a, an account or at least knows one or two people that have. I'm talking about like everybody. Right. We've already had all the shoeshine boy stories, all the pizza delivery stories. And now everybody's mom and grandfather has asked them about Bitcoin. We've passed all that now. And um, we're to the like the like the the mass adoption point and um I think you got to like listen to uh, Michael Saylor, who heads up MicroStrategy. He actually had a big, well, he's uh, talking all the time to different people, but uh, he debated Frank Joostra recently. And, he did. Uh, it was like an hour long thing. And he's well-spoken individual and um, really brought up some good points in that. But talking about the, you know, the next iteration of adoption and how, um, you know, you got to think of Bitcoin not as a currency, but as like a platform, almost like the Internet now. Right. Where mm. you're getting all these things, including the metaverse and the, um, other things. But on top, but, you know, soon to be more 
um, you know, traditional things, right? Like um, uh, whatever, using it for real estate or, you know, banks starting now to get involved, JP Morgan, you know, allowing high net worth clients to, to buy it. Um, no ETF yet, at least in the United States, but one of those probably uh, on the way. But um, just thinking about it in terms of being more of a platform than a um, than a thing, right? Than one specific currency. And so anyway, um, I think it's here to stay and uh, I'm not some crazy crypto guy, but um, it was clearly a buying opportunity uh, on the, the death of Bitcoin the other week. Agreed. And then, you know, we pivot to gold and we're not going to spend a lot of time on this because frankly, there's not much to talk about. I mean, you have companies that are delivering excellent results and not being rewarded for it in the market with a few exceptions. You know, companies that are being um, heavily promoted are responding as they typically do. But, you know, for the most part, the the the, the overall um, sentiment in the juniors is we need a better or a higher gold price and a better market for good work to be rewarded. You and I, Nick, have always uh, made our money buying when no one is looking and adding aggressively when no one is looking. You and I have been writing checks for copper projects, private and public, um, for years and and ramped that up here recently. And I'm starting to dip my toe back in in in, in the gold names again because some of these things are just too easy. These are no brainers, right? The Magna Golds of the world, um, a couple of other ones. And so your thoughts on gold and the junior space, we close today just to provide a bit of context today being Friday, 1767, kind of a non-event this week, right? Well, you had rates, yields resume their uh, upward trajectory, right? So we had a period there where, um, you know, it looked like rates uh, might go back down. They had a significant down day a couple of weeks ago, but they've now resumed their upward trajectory. And so uh, that little pause in rates rising that allowed gold to get back closer to 1800 seems to be over. We talked about how it was sideways last week, but now uh, rates have sort of uh, resumed um, their upward climb. And that's the trend, uh, rates up and, and uh, gold relatively down. And so what I would say is, um, some of the the good producers and royalty names are doing just fine because mm -hmm. of that seventeen hundred dollar plus uh, gold price that you mentioned. If you if you pull up a chart of uh, them, the Francos, uh, Newmonts, etc., they um, started to turn around in the second or third month of this year and have appreciated a bit. I told you I was buying Alamos, for example, like two yep. months ago, and that's done quite well with, from exactly the level that I was uh, telling you about. Specifically, they've got issues in Turkey, which doesn't give me the warm and fuzzies, but that's <laughs> just specific to, to Alamos. And so um, the quality names are are, are okay. The uh, the juniors, nobody wants to speculate on because there's so much, I mean, it's it's froth, right? I mean, P.E. Powell has uh, got to call it uh, froth now, right? Admitting so, you know, talking about Dogecoin in his conferences. And so um, the, the speculation isn't there, but nonetheless, uh, you mentioned Magna. I put in a stink bid for uh, like Revival today, for example, which is um, uh, near 52 week lows, uh, I believe. And so, yeah, there's really just uh, names out there that are, um, you know, sold down and that are very attractive that you can uh, buy and tuck away. That doesn't mean there's uh, going to turn around tomorrow, but that does mean that if you know what you're buying, that uh, when the sector does come to the favor, uh, when when favor does come back to the sector, and when these companies start 
uh, having more catalysts as drill season gets underway or, or whatever it is to the specific company that um, you're already in position, just like we were already in position for uh, copper, right? Is it now is at well, it's flirting with all time highs. Mm, I like all time highs. You know where there is positive sentiment and a sector that is back in favor and a sector that I am urging everybody to make a list, check it twice and start scratching off some names is the uranium sector. We have, you know, fission uranium at 52 week highs hit 69 cents today. We have, you know, companies like um, UEC that are doing really well. Azarga uranium finally caught a bid from the 23, 24 cent level um, closed just below the 30 cent level Canadian a couple of cents shy of its 52-week high. And, you know, the big news this week, of course, was Sprott taking over, um, basically, you know, launching a, 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 a uranium ETF is the simplest way to explain it, right? And I think this has massive, massive implications for the spot price, which, as you and I know, has been relatively flat, despite the fact that the fissions of the world, the Azargas, the UECs, the URCs, all these companies have had a phenomenal, phenomenal 2021. Um, Sprout Asset Management taking over management of UPC, Uranium Participation Court, is a big, big deal. I think that, you know, Sprout's 200,000 plus investors are absolutely going to be looking at this and looking at it as a way to directly purchase physical pounds without having to take delivery, which Sprott will do. Um, and, you know, kudos to Sprott. They've done this with gold. They've done it with silver. They're going to seek a dual listing in Canada and the U.S. And I wrote about it this week. If you thought that the Reddit GameStop squeeze was fun, I think we are in for an epic, epic run in the uranium space. Thoughts on that, Nick? Well, we also talked about a couple of weeks ago how uh, Dogecoin's market cap was greater than <laughs> the entire uh, uranium sector, which is responsible for supplying, you know, 10 to 20 percent of uh, baseload global clean energy electricity needs. And so um, obviously uh, much value to be had in the uranium sector. Mm -hmm. And you nailed it. I mean, there's uh, people uh, who are waiting for the spot price to rise and there are people who are sitting up. Um, uh, several uh, times on, on companies like those you mentioned and, and, and more like uh, Sky Harbor. And so um, I think you got uranium coming into focus as, uh, you know, uh, a, a clean metal. We gave a presentation on this uh, last week. The green metal inflation is on and, and your uranium was included. And, uh, you know, Biden gave a speech this week. I'm sure we'll probably talk. Uh, more about in this podcast where you know <laughs> his body double off, did great his body double was good <laughs> yeah he read pretty good um and the message was okay uh, it, 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 but there's a lot that has to be done obviously to, to meet those promises which we've been talking about on this podcast specifically talking about you know building wind turbines in uh, uh pittsburgh and you know why we can't um have a domestic uh, control of uh, electric vehicles and, and be world leaders as opposed to 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 China and uh, and a lot has to to be done to do that. Of course, we've talked a lot about the lithium and the rare earths and the copper, but uh, you know what? You don't want to be 
uh, burning 25 or 30 percent coal to be powering those cars and stuff either. Right. And so that's where uranium comes into play, specifically in the United States. You have a new power plant going uh, online in, in Georgia later this year, the first new, new nuclear power plant in a while. And the administration openly including uh, you know new nuclear technologies in their uh, bills and plans, et cetera. And so um I don't know if there was really a question or an answer there, but uh, uranium sector seems fervent right now. Agreed. Uh, early days? I, I think so, clearly. Um, I spoke with Scott Melby this week uh, of URC, and I asked him the same question. I said, early days or, you know, did, did people miss it? And he said, oh, no, 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 no. If, they, if we're using the baseball analogy, you know, this is, this is the first inning, maybe the bottom of the first, but it's definitely the first inning. Would you agree with that assessment? I think if you pull back the charts from uh, Fukushima, you, mm. you have to. I mean, yeah. the, the sector lost 90% of its value. And so um, it has to go up many more times to get back where it was. And um, you're not even, you got to go back to the spot price because you're not even close to a place where the industry can uh, sustain itself in terms of bringing new supply online at a reasonable price. And so that all still has to uh, play out. Agreed. You mentioned President Biden. I was very um, complimentary of the Trumpsters approach to China. Obviously didn't agree with every single thing because nobody agrees or shouldn't agree with every single thing. But I thought that it was long overdue for the United States to publicly address, vocally address the, um, you know, the, the, the IP theft the intellectual property theft, um, unfair trade practices. I mean, say what you will, Trump was absolutely correct in saying when he came on that China was eating our lunch. And uh, kudos to him and his administration for presenting a tough stance. I'll, I'll, I'll praise President Biden, who I joked that his body double did a great job for his speech. I listened to it. Again, didn't agree with all points, but I thought it was well laid out. I thought it was relatively bipartisan in his outreach for, for common sense legislation on a lot of fronts, including gun control. Um, and I really did like that he made it a point to say, listen, we welcome the competition. We're not looking for conflict, but be absolutely clear that we will defend America's interests across the board. Like with everything else, politicians, um, immigration, taxes, you name it. Let's see if the actions match the rhetoric. But I like the rhetoric and I thought it was a strong first speech um, for President Biden. Thoughts? I tried to watch uh, most of it. I thought, <laughs> I thought it was very long. I mean, he laid out, the, you got to be, it's long when you, when you lay out plans for spending $4 trillion. Um, and no, I thought it was a good speech. I thought that he did better than uh, most people thought he would do, given the you know jokes about his age and twisting ankles or whatever it is, right? And so I thought the optics, let's say, were um, all good. The content of the speech, uh, as I said, um, a lot of goals there. Um, let's start with China, I guess. So, uh, you know, we've talked about China on this podcast. It's a very real uh, threat, a very real uh, competitor. And I thought the language that he used about competing with 
uh, autocrats and how you have to prove that democracy can win in the in the 21st century, mm. um, even though, um, you know, uh, she, as he said, was, uh, you know, saying that it takes longer to gain consensus. And I thought one of the key points that 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 was made was about not competing, not being so busy competing with each other that we forget about uh, the real competition we have with the rest of the world. And so, you know, I think that's a, a great message. And in that capacity, um, I think he's sort of uh, evolving into the the great champion, right, that that I said he had to be for this period of the uh, fourth turning that we're uh, in, you know. And then as, as far as the energy stuff, um, you know, we'll see wh- what they can uh, get past and 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 how, um, let's say, um, serious they are about uh, the goals that they set. Because, you know, not only did he give a speech, but last week was big, you know, climate meeting and things. Mm. And we're talking about, uh, you know, reducing emissions uh, by half and getting the grid to 80% renewables. And, you know, I'm all for the goals. But uh, again, you need the the policies and uh, uh, approvals and the streamlining of the approval process to get the resources needed to uh, put those things together. You know, when he was talking about building the wind turbines in Beijing, I was like screaming rare earths at the TV. I was like, where are you going to get them, Joe? And so, you know, um, that's the opportunity uh, in it. And then, you know, again, I'm not a, a tax expert, but that's a that's a big bill to pay. And so uh, the other thing was he was saying was talking about you know, paying your fair share. And again, I would just like to make a distinction between hmm. um you know, uh, uh, a small business owner, someone making the, the will take the level he's talking about 400,000 and someone making uh, billions and billions. And then I would further make a distinction, which he did. I'll give him credit for uh, uh, of the corporations yep. who pay uh, zero in taxes, which I was glad to see him uh, call out. But, um, you know, overall, I thought a fairly good speech, uh, obviously not a fan of uh, rising taxes. <laughs> you don't like uh, giving away more of your money, Nick? <laughs> I don't like seeing S-Corps specifically mentioned for sure. <clears throat> and so, um, no, um, you know, we know that uh, the U.S. has backed itself into a corner with its budget and its debts and that it's going to have to go after all sources possible to pay them off. Uh, individual taxes, corporate taxes, uh, inflating the debt away and uh, all those things. Right. And so. Uh, that's what we talk about and what we try to insulate uh, against and profit from, as it were. Well, listen, that brings up another another question for me, and 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 I think a fair one to discuss. I mean, we can't, at, on the one end, continue to say that we want to balance our budget and reduce the deficit, and then at the same time be upset when there's legislation proposed that offers to pay for it. Now, we can absolutely have. A discussion about you know the corruption and politics and the waste and all the pork that goes into it and how lobbyists should be removed from you know writing the laws and the bills that eventually make it and and decide where our tax dollars go. But you know, I, I mean, at the end of the day, Nick, we're, we're either wanting to pay for the spending that's coming, um, or or we just agree that we're not going to pay for anything and it's not sustainable anyway. Then what's the point of taxes, right? Print it. What? Yeah, I mean, they're going to print it. And so um, what is the point of taxes is a, a whole nother uh, podcast, right? We didn't even always have them. And so, um, 
you know, uh, the point of taxes is to give you uh, credibility, I guess, as a, a government and to give your, um, you know, uh, a bonds uh, credibility, right? And so um, that's also what a military is, is, is for, at least has uh, evolved into. And so um, all things that are, that are going to play out, right? Um, you, you say print it and then, um, yeah, you, you, you have to call into question, you know, the, the dollar superiority in a, in a, in a new century, a digital yuan that has been, uh, created, etc. Et and so, yeah, again, um, I, I clearly no crystal ball here, but, um, all the things that at least I'm usually thinking about and, 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 and trying to navigate Lumber still headed higher. Um, a month ago, it was adding $24,000 to the cost of the average home. It's now adding $36,000 to the cost of an average home. Um, we talked about copper a bit. We've we've seen corn. We've seen tin. I mean, I don't see how, given the budgets on a global scale, we don't have a hard reset and not the great reset that, you know, is, is, is often referenced in uh, conspiracy theory circles and think tanks. I think that, you know, either, either we're going to have a new Bretton Woods type agreement or it will be forced by the markets, but I just don't see how this is sustainable. Um, especially in light of, you know, a fed chair Powell who spoke this week, who is clearly on the side of inflating away as much debt as possible. But you and I both know, Nick, ultimately the Fed doesn't control rates. It's the market. And it's a confidence game. It's a, psycho a psychology experiment. And once the psychology experiment goes uh, off the rails and there is no confidence in government and the bond market, then what, right? Yeah, it, it, exactly right. You get yourself into sort of a, uh, a black hole uh, very quickly. And that's sort of like the long-term case for a much, much, much higher gold price, right? Not based on uh, short-term rates and the cost of production and reinvesting for reserves, but based on, you know, a revaluing uh, gold or or something else, $60,000 Bitcoin to, um, you know, pay off and, and rebalance those uh, debts and, and you know, account for writing them off, frankly, because, you know, you can say that you're going to print and you can say that you're going to uh, write off student debt or write it down, but it's going to be reflected somewhere. Right. Um, and and uh, obviously we're seeing that across the board in, in commodities and uh, cryptos right now. Agreed. Agreed. Let's um, let's pivot really quick. Let's talk about the uh, city of Chicago suing a gun store in Indiana. And, you know, when we talk about the Second Amendment, and I am very pro-Second Amendment, just to get that out of the way for those that are new to the podcast, um, we, we, we've had discussions about owning guns responsibly, and we've had discussions about, you know, Chicago having some of the toughest gun laws in the country. And the hypocrisy of politicians like Mike Pence and and I've, I've, I've singled out Indiana for years because I knew that's where they were coming from because um, I have family there and friends and, you know, I'm back there every year. But we've talked about the hypocrisy of politicians pointing to the ineffectiveness of responsible gun ownership 
laws by highlighting Chicago and 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 the horrible, horrible, horrible um, gun crimes that occur every single day in the city, right? And so I've always said it's really hypocritical because if they really wanted to stop the flow of guns, they would just look to Indiana. And so I was, I was, um, I was happy to see the city of Chicago sue a single gun store in Indiana. And they claim that this single gun store is tied to over 850 firearms recovered from crime scenes. Think about that for a second, Nick. Not 850 firearms from the store in Indiana, just the ones that were recovered from crime scenes. And as you know, most crimes go unsolved, right? Wherever you live. And so can you imagine the amount of gun sales that were coming from this one gun shop? One gun shop. And now this, and now I ask everybody to just, you know, think a bit. Gun stores actually are required to report the sales. It's how these numbers came to light. Gun shows don't require that you report the sales. And and gun shows in Indiana is where everybody goes when you need 50 guns um, because the streets are hot, right? And so, again, I think this speaks to the level of gun running coming from Indiana into Chicago and the same way that I've, I've, I've... you know, express my displeasure with the U.S. and sending all the military-grade weaponry into Mexico and, 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 and then, you know, complaining about the cartel violence and, and, and the civil war that's going on over there uh, because non-cartel citizens are involved, right, unfortunately. Um, I, 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 I do the same with Indiana. It's, I hope this sparks a larger conversation. I hope this is an inroad into really looking to stop the traffic of guns from Indiana, at the very least, make it a little harder than an hour drive, right? Um, what is the lawsuit alleging? I mean, what is, I'm not the one who grew up there, and so I actually haven't even read about it. And so what is the, what is Chicago saying? Are they breaking the law? Are they saying that, you know, what are they saying, I guess? Here's the exact quote um, from the ATF. West Forth Sports is the name of the gun shop, has been in business for more than 50 years and 10 miles from the border of Chicago. According to the suit, the store's president failed to heed warnings from the ATF um, about suspicious activity coming out of his store. He ignored this for years. And so the lawsuit says these eye-popping numbers, the 850 guns recovered from crime scenes tied directly to this one store, are not the result of bad luck or coincidence or location. The 42-page lawsuit claims that the store feeds the market for illegal firearms by intentionally selling firearms to gun traffickers and purchasers who transport products from Indiana to Chicago where they are resold to individuals who cannot legally possess firearms, including, of course, convicted felons and drug traffickers. And so they are alleging that the store knows very clearly that the gun sales they are making are ending up in the hands of people that would otherwise not be able to legally purchase a firearm in Chicago or Indiana. And that the ATF has warned the store for years about the activity and they have failed to respond in any 
meaningful way. Um, who were the drug or not the drug traffickers? Who were the gun traffickers? Who were the people going to the gun shows and buying 50 guns and then taking them across the border and selling them? I mean, they're obviously able to buy them legally, as you say, and then they go across and sell them illegally. Uh, the homies. <laughs> so here for, for people, for people not, uh, not well versed in, in, in kind of Chicago gang culture and politics, the city is and always has been one of the most segregated cities in America, right? And, and, and that, that that goes to this day. Some of that's intentional with the way that the Kennedy Highway was built. It was meant to separate, um, you know, whites from blacks and, and Puerto Ricans and Mexicans and uh, Polish and, you know, all of the different, the Irish, everybody is um, in, in, in very segregated neighborhoods. You know, there are parts of Chicago where when I go visit every summer um, and I'll be there in a month or two, uh, you know, you drive through, let, let, let's take when I go visit my family on the South side, I will drive for 10 or 15 minutes and it'll be an exclusively black neighborhood. I won't see an Hispanic face. I won't see a white face. I mean, it is just an exclusively black neighborhood. And from one street to the next, it becomes an entirely Hispanic and mostly Mexican neighborhood. And it's, 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 it, I mean, it's just, if you're not accustomed to that, or if you come from a place that's more diverse, you're just like, what in the world? And so I say all that to say, every neighborhood, every gang, every part of town, because of how segregated it is, has its own gang culture, whether you're Irish or Polish or Mexican or black, um, different denominations and hierarchies and branches and everything else that goes along with it. And within those branches and divisions, you're going to have appointed gun runners that have a clean background and a clean record and can legally go and buy these guns. So technically, technically, if Nick Hodge, who lives in the Italian part of Chicago, right, is, is the appointed person, Nick Hodge has got a clean record. He can go to Indiana and buy as many guns as he legally wants. Now, what the city of Chicago is alleging is that every time Nick Hodge shows up, he's buying 50 guns at a time. And he's doing this multiple times during the summertime, during the springtime, every time you need him. And that the ATF has come back to this gun shop and said, Nick Hodge is running guns for this gang and this group. And these are the numbers. And this is what we have to back it up. We need you to start flagging Nick Hodge every time he comes in. And apparently the store has failed to comply It'll be interesting to me to see if laws were actually broken. But what's really interesting to me is what we talked about last week, Nick, where we argued that like with police corruption and, and, and police injustice and police brutality, a lot of what's actually happening isn't illegal. A lot of what's happening is a failure of the system, which has and enables laws that allow the brutality and the injustice to continue on unabated, which results in hundreds of millions of dollars in payouts by the same taxpayers getting their ass beat in the case of police brutality, paying out the victims because it's not coming from police union budgets, right? And so I this is interesting to me because it'll it'll hopefully spark a, a bigger conversation about, you know, whether the shop did something illegal or not, is there a better, more intelligent way to own a gun and, and to regulate sales. Sure. I mean, it doesn't pass the common sense test, right? And as, you know, a, a gun owner and, and, and Second Amendment supporter myself, it 
seems like a easy way to compromise, you know, whereas, um, you know, some of these other measures focused on specific type of weapons um, don't really, you know, pass muster with me because, you know, you can always kill somebody with a different type of weapon and um, you can always drop the clip and put another one in. Right. And so um, these types of cases where it's um, readily apparent and if you can't admit that, then, you know, you can't even uh, admit to want to finding uh, want to find common ground to 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 start the solutions or to start a discussion from, if you can't uh, see that this is a, a common sense way to um, decrease illegal gun ownership, decrease gun violence, decrease uh, gun deaths, gang violence, etc., um, and view it as uh, uh, the open loophole that it is, um, you know, um, I'm not sure exactly where you would be able then to come to any agreement if you if you can't uh start there and and you know this uh you, you know arguing that that impedes gun ownership or, or gun rights you know i don't think that passes common sense either because um you know take it like this you know but let's go back to the biden speech where he, he had hmm. a, a little part about yep uh, guns, and he was talking about uh, what was his one-liner? You don't need fifty bullets to kill a deer, or something like that, or a hundred bullets. It's like no, but in, you know, competitive uh, sporting uh, shooting events, you you might. And so, I'm um, not necessarily hunting, but shooting, which is uh, also a sport and also protected uh, in this country. And so that's what I mean by you know targeting a specific type of weapon or feature of a weapon versus um, you know, an easy way to cut off uh, literally thousands of illegal weapons flooding into just one city in America, right? And it's consequential. And and again, I hate personalizing everything, but I don't hate personalizing everything because unfortunately, there's you know, my my the places where I grew up and 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 the places where I've lived and the places where I have family, unfortunately, are in the midst of you know, in Chicago, it's the gun violence and. In Mexico, it's everything going on with the cartels and, and just kind of the way the cookie crumbles. But, you know, I have a niece. I have a niece who um, a month ago had a her close friend's mom was driving home um, from church, man. It's like 1.30 in the daytime and this guy pulls up in a car next to her and he was intoxicated at 1.30 in the afternoon and mistakes the mom coming home from church for someone else, pulls out a gun and blows her head off. And so I personalize it because for those that are out there listening to this podcast saying, well, cartel violence in Mexico only affects people in the drug trade or gang violence in Chicago only affects, you know, people involved in gangs. That is just not the case. That is just not the case. And again, when, when you know, we have these discussions about common sense solutions and answers, we're never going to get rid of all of the violence, right? There was violence before guns. There will be violence after. But there has to be a better approach, a more reasonable approach. And I did appreciate Mr. Biden's uh, statement on, 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 on gun control. The part where he said, look, I just let's at least have the conversation about responsible ownership. I don't want to take your guns away. 
but can we at least, you know, reach across the aisle and sit down and have a dialogue about how we can do it better? And again, I am very, very pro Second Amendment, um, but I, but I do believe there's a much better way um, to enable that for the citizenry than the way it's set up and structured now, right? Oh yeah, no doubt. Let's talk about Fort Bragg. Um, we talked about Fort Hood, which is here in Texas, and you know just the amount of deaths. I think it was like 26 within a year and a half. Um, and and I said at the time that you know it's clearly, clearly, clearly um, the worst, um, <laughs> the, the 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 worst camp, military camp, as far as accountability and you know a subsequent report and investigation kind of laid that out and. You know, people were fired and heads rolled and, and people died, unfortunately, um, and, and just ugly stuff there. But, you know, there's um, there, there's this there's this gentleman in Fort Bragg. Did you see this story? I only did because you retweeted it. And I know that we had talked about the other fort before. And I don't claim to know any of the details other than um, I saw like people were getting uh seemingly murdered on like overnight trips and so you wonder why this isn't bigger news uh, i would love uh, to be filled in well I'll, I'll give the specifics on this gentleman and then we could talk about you know again the, the 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 bigger issue which we've talked about before but there's a gentleman by the name of caleb smither and <laughs> he was a paratrooper with fort bragg's 82nd air division the autopsy that was performed on Mr. Smither shows that he died on January the 21st. He was found dead in his barracks, right? And so the gentleman... In a state of decomposition. Right, and that's where I was going. He was there and found in his room decomposed with soldiers everywhere around him. The body was so decomposed that they couldn't have an open casket. And so I just don't understand where um, where the accountability is for the people that are overseeing our young men and women that are, you know, there to serve our country. Um and again, it's 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 not a one-off at Fort Bragg the way it wasn't a one-off um, at Fort Hood. There's been at least 44, 44 Fort Bragg soldiers that have died in 2020. Several of them homicides. I'll post a link to the Rolling Stone story um, that 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 talks about it. But the most disturbing part about the story is that the families who, of course, want to know what happened to their loved ones, um, that were proud to see, the, you know, their sons and daughters go serve this country bravely. Um, they want answers, and they're not getting any from 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 the Army, apparently. And so, um, just disturbing to me that, again, this is a major institution that in America, we wear our pins and we have flyovers That's at the it. game. And, and and we tell Colin Kaepernick that he can never work because he took a knee uh, to highlight racial injustice in this country and police brutality. And we do all of these things. We do all of these things, all these symbolic things that make us feel good. We argue with each other as citizens. We get violent in the streets. 
We do all of these things. And then something like this happens where it's literally the men and women that serve our country getting killed, murdered oftentimes. And I see, I, I don't see very many protests. I see there, there were some small ones here in Texas. There's been some small vigils in, in, in Fort Bragg, but it's just insane. No, I would have said exactly what the last part of what you said. You've got a military whose budget is, you know, more than twice uh, China's, more than 10 times uh, Russia's. And yeah, you have continuous stuff like this. Uh, and I would point to like the veterans uh, affairs stuff as well. I mean, just uh, appalling. And uh, again, clearly there's money to to do it, given the uh, budget of our military and uh, there's just not will. And so. Uh, I would have pointed to the pins and, and flyovers as well as as hollow and 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 pure propaganda uh, with no back uh, office follow through. And, and, and again, you know, bring it back here home to Texas uh, in Fort Hood. There were 28 soldier deaths. I said 26 there were 28. Um, and, you know, that led to a congressional investigation. Um, it, it, they, they obviously reached the conclusion there was a toxic culture there. They dismissed most of the chain of command. In Fort Bragg, none of this has happened. And, and they're up to 44 homicides and suicides in 2020 in one year, Nick. If you would have told me five, I would have said, whoa, you know, yeah. like from the same like camp, it's 44. So, yeah, I mean, something to watch for. Amazing it's not a bigger story, yeah. You, you would think, you know, I, I, I recall my oldest, uh, our 23-year-old, a few years back, uh, five years ago, was, was considering joining the military and the Marines, and he passed all his physicals, and he passed all the psychological tests, and, you know, basically he was good to go. He was given the all clear, and the only thing he needed to do was sign up. And, you know, we had a conversation, and... You know, it was his call, and at the end of it, he just decided that that he he didn't want to do it. You know, he 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 had he had some issues with um, the way the hierarchy was set up, and he didn't know if it would be the most conducive environment for success for him. And man, and then I read these stories, and I'm so thankful that he didn't do it. And I hate to say that as somebody that you know, and and, and so thankful to this country and the opportunities it's afforded, and and um, we have a lot of work to do. But I tell you what, there's nowhere else I'd rather live. Um, it it, it 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 hurts a bit to 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 say, man, I'm glad that my son didn't decide to go serve his country because I would have worried sick every day with stuff like this in the news. Sure. I mean, you know, um, uh, a good decision, uh, likely on uh, his part. And again, like you say, uh, sad to say that. And um a reason right there's a a clear socioeconomic distinction and uh those who uh, enlist right and 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 those who are uh, officers and and those who don't serve and so um i you know candidly made a a similar decision as a a young man having spent several years in in rotc in college and was Mm. on track to be commissioned as a second lieutenant this was uh 9-11 times right i was a freshman in 2000 one and so i made the the same decision not to continue uh down the path and so i have to say i'm uh, glad about that decision as well yeah yep and 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 again you know i look forward to the day where 
We have responsible military budgets. We have responsible leadership at all levels. And again, just like when I speak about corruption within police departments, I, I have a cousin who's a cop in Chicago on the South side. Um, I'm not talking about the good ones. I'm obviously talking about the bad ones. So when it comes to the military, of course, we love our troops and the sacrifices they make and, and everything that goes along with that. But because because they are that valuable, we should absolutely hold the leadership and the chain of command to a much higher standard as a society than we currently do. This can't continue to happen. Well, especially because of what I was saying about the the socioeconomic status of those who do uh, enlist. And so uh, you obviously should be taking care of them to the best of your ability. Agreed. Agreed. I tell you who's taking care of business right now is the Justice Department. Um you know, Sleepy Joe is, is is he said he's got nothing to do with it, but 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 his justice department is about it. I mean, you wanted law and order, you're getting it, people. Holy smokes. Indictments left and right. Um, the DOJ seeking indictment of Derek Chauvin and three other ex-Minneapolis police officers, um, in connection obviously with the death of George Floyd. Um, there's also uh the 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 guys that killed um, the, the, the young man in Georgia while he was jogging and, and filmed it. Um, they, exactly. They were just charged with federal hate crimes. Um, <laughs> Mr. Rudy Giuliani wasn't charged with the crime yet, but I tell you what, he looks a little nervous, a little more nervous now than he did a few months ago. So, um, a lot going on, a, a lot going on everywhere. I mean, it's, um, it's 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 about time. It's about time. The the the, the Justice Department is also investigating uh, the entire Minneapolis Police Department to see, uh, and they're doing the same in Kentucky in the case of the Breonna Taylor case to see if there's you know a systemic um, police corruption that's been enabled throughout the years. And you know I could go on and on with the stories. There were a lot this week, but yeah, the, the, you wanted Law and Order, you're getting it, everybody. It's. Like uh, the end of the Trump administration um, in the Four Seasons landscaping days, it's too much to keep track of. And so I wasn't entirely on top of uh, all those stories. Uh, this week, though, I did see a number of uh, police departments starting to be uh, investigated or chaperoned by the, the Justice Department. And um, that happened in Baltimore before I left and. Um, I guess what I would say is, you know, I saw this week that a Newark, New Jersey, which is, um, one of the most, or at least was, I'm not sure where it ranks now, the most dangerous cities, uh, in the country, um, and it was having numerous problems with its police department and, uh, violence and shootings. The, the entire police department didn't fire a single shot in 2020. I was reading, uh, over the past week after, um, uh, similar reforms to what's being proposed uh, in these other police departments. And so uh, I guess we'll just point to that as a case where it can work. Agreed. And, and, and again, all it takes is, you know, proof of concept, right? And then you can tweak it and you can customize it. You can make it your own, but um, yeah, less, less dead people and less escalation um, is a good thing, right? That's it. Due process kind of a thing here in America. A little, thing that we have in bill of rights and you know god-given rights and all of that speech that goes along with it um we talked about matt gates a couple of weeks ago it, it, it's getting weirder so 
Joel Greenberg, who I speculated a few months, or I think it was like a month or so ago, uh, would be working with federal authorities, is working with federal authorities, and he has now, um, he is now alleging <laughs> that he wrote a letter asking Roger Stone, Trump ally and federal, uh, federally uh, indicted and, and convicted guy, um, he, he wrote a letter to Roger Stone to help him obtain a pardon. And when asked what he needed a pardon for, he says that he, Joel Greenberg, and close associate Matt Gates paid for sex with multiple women, as well as a girl who was 17 at the time. Um, and that on more than one occasion, the individual was involved in sexual activities with several of the other girls. Um, he wrote, th this is what he wrote in reference to the 17 year old. And so it'll be really interesting. We talked last week how he hadn't stepped down yet. I mistakenly thought he had, and, 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 uh, that, that was not the case as you corrected Nick, but, um, <laughs> yeah, um, Stone said in reply, this gets weirder, right? The inner workings of, of what it takes to get a pardon in this country speaks to what we value. Um, Stone said, I understand all of this and have taken it into consideration. And so Greenberg said, if I get you 250,000 in Bitcoin, would that help? Or is this not a financial matter? And then Stone replied, I hope you are prepared to wire me 250,000 because I am feeling confident. <laughs> That's crazy, man. And, and, and so look, I have zero time sympathy tolerance at all for any man or woman that, you know, uh, sexually exploits anybody, especially anybody that's underage. So I am not laughing at that part of it. That part, I am, I, I, I hope they get to the bottom of everything and that everybody gets exactly what they deserve. But the fact that this is how pardons were being negotiated by Trump allies at the end of the presidency is absolutely, in a morbid, dark, twisted way, hilarious to me. Um, well, they didn't want any shit coins, did they? No uni swaps. They wanted That's the good it, stuff. Man. That's it. <laughs> uh, Nick, what are you watching for this week? Did you hear about the Mormon sex therapist that got herself in trouble? I read quickly, and uh, again, you have to fill me in, but uh, I can only imagine the hypocrisy that's involved. Uh, you know, it's not much to it. I just, again, it made me laugh, and I wanted to make it a little lighter this week because it was heavy last week. But a sex therapist who publicly challenged um, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints' teachings on sexuality is facing a possible expulsion. Natasha Helfer who, has who was raised by her parents in the LDS church since she was five years old and who's been the face for mental health advocacy among the Mormons, um, wrote a blog about a decade ago that apparently caught the eyes of the leadership um, because she dared declare, Nick, that masturbation is not a sin. And since then... She's attracted a wide audience, especially among the more progressive Mormons, as you would expect, right? And so she is now facing discipline for public dissent from church leaders. And um, yeah, it's, um, 
it's interesting to me what's okay and what's not okay in some religions. No knock on anyone's beliefs. You believe what you want to believe, as long as you're not hurting anyone. But yeah, again, the hypocrisy, right? Hasadiga Iba Y. So this is a religion to follow some guy who dug up some tablets in like Missouri. So um, no jokes aside, though, um, you know, many more uh, young people than old people. Right. That's what this turning is, is all about. I was reminded this week that there are 90 million millennials and 60 million baby boomers and that. Um, the bulk of these millennials are now entering their 30s means they're they're coming of age, which means they're ready to uh, speak their mind and not take any uh, shit, as it were. And um, and and that goes uh, hand in hand with the sexual revolution that um, you've mentioned and that we uh, have fun with here. But that is very real. And so it all goes. Uh, not just here, Nick. <laughs> Yeah, fun everywhere with the sexual revolution. That's it. <laughs> Anything in the markets you're looking for this week? Um, not this week in particular, but uh, brewing. And so, mm. um, uh, well, you can brew them too. And it's the mushroom market. And um, you can make tea and, and supplements uh, with them. And, and sorry to keep us going, but if you oh, take your time, three minutes on, on mushrooms, I'll send us out of here. Um, you know, it's sort of like if we already had cannabis 2.0, then this is cannabis 3.0. You've got sort of uh, the mushroom market coming on in a, uh, a big way and, and not just for uh, psychedelics and, and medicine. That's just a, a small part of it expected to grow to like, uh, I don't know, 7 billion uh, in the next couple of years. But the overall mushroom market expected to be like five times uh, bigger than that, over 30 billion in the same time because of supplements and um, uh, other things using how mushrooms can grow so fast, their fungal nature to um, do things like re replace plastic and styrofoam. Uh, there's a company that like can grow a mushroom-based styrofoam uh, and then it decomposes in 30 days. And they're uh, basically, uh, it's called like biomimicry or biosynthesis, uh, using uh, nature's biological processes and harnessing them or isolating them to uh, make them do things you want. I just cited one example, growing uh, packaging, but there's uh, all kinds of uses. Uh, Adidas making mushroom leather sneakers, for example, like the Adidas, like the international apparel mm. brand. And so... Um, yeah, you can use it in, in multiple ways and, and people are growing them at home, you know, uh, ask your wife if, if she's seen like mushroom kits for sale on Instagram, for example, where you grow these, um, uh, like pre-spored, pre-germinated kits, like you would grow a chia pet back in the day, for example. But in this case, you're growing, uh, mushrooms that you can put in a, uh, soup or a salad or have with your meal right um, but it's all in like the infancy stages for um, what is setting up to be a much bigger market as um, you know the uh, the legalization of the psychedelic component comes in and as people see uh, the additional benefits of, of certain mushrooms for uh, health and, and what they call the functional mushroom category so anyway um, it's, it's very early days. There's only been like a, a handful of companies that have listed. Uh, there's been a handful of private companies that are 
uh, raising money and and plan to list. But it very much reminds me of uh, cannabis when you know the regulations were still murky when it was. Uh, still not uh, legal in, in many places when the research was still uh, just starting to be done. And uh, when the deals were just starting to be, for, be, be formed, of course, the deals that went on to become like the Afrias and the Canopies and uh, mm. the early leaders, right? And so it's probably worth having a look, getting a bit familiar and um, as a speculator, well, speculating, right? Making a few smart bets and seeing if uh, something is to come of this because it has all the makings of a, of a cannabis type uh, market, especially when you look at like the um, the retail interest because they all saw millions, tens of millions, right? Wall Street bets, et cetera. Um, the power of the market now and the uh, how fast stocks can go up. And so uh, when you throw that into the mix, it seems like uh, it could be an interesting speculation. Well, Mr. Hodge, where could I access one of these incredibly attractive private deals? Um, we got one going on right now in Toronto. <laughs> no <now> way! <laughs> uh, talking about it. So it, it might be closed by the time you listen to this. And that's not uh, marketing. Yeah, you know, you only get a certain allocation and you put the deal out. And so uh, I think this podcast will go out on Monday. I'm releasing the deal Monday to. Uh, what's called Hodge Family Office, you know, people who've signed up to participate in private placements. And so um, something you're inter- if it's something you're interested in, check out uh, Hodge Family Office. And uh, if not, don't. But um, yeah, anyway, mushrooms. We'll tell you how well it did in about six months, everybody. That's it. I love it. Listen, everybody will get this on Monday. You won't hear from us again until the following Monday. Um, and and so I, I say all that to say um, Mother's Day is coming up soon, everybody, as in like next Sunday. So just a friendly reminder, get your ducks in order, everybody. Mr. Hodge, any parting words? No, that's a good reminder. I have it uh, on my calendar for today as well to buy the gift. And so uh, well done. That's it. No, have a good week, everybody. Have a great week, everyone. Be kind to each other. I'm Gerardo Del Real, along with my co-host, Mr. Nick Hodge. This is episode 115 of Bizarro World. Say goodbye, Nick. See ya. Bye, Nick.